Yes, welcome back to the Bowling Boys podcast. I'm your host, Sam Nicola. Today, we've got a slightly different show for you. We touched on yesterday's disappointing defeat to Newcastle. We look forward to next week's game against Chelsea, but we've got a special guest, former Orient manager and player. He used to play for Millwall, Gillingham and Chelsea, one of London's finest, John Sitton. Joining me and John, original bowling boy, Adam Bird. Bring your fucking dinner. Yes, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to say John Sitton is with us. I'm absolutely delighted to, to hear what he's got to say. I'm going to start off by talking about the Newcastle game um, and what we all thought of it. Bird, what was your opinion on the game? You watched the full 90 minutes. What, what did you yeah. make with them? I think for the first time in a long time, we look tired. It's um, We've been shipping goals it's lucky we've, up until yesterday, it's lucky we've been scoring more than we've been conceding because we have been conceding a lot of goals. And I think it comes down to a bit of game management as well. I know we've got a lot of players injured. Like yesterday, you look, we haven't got that protection with Rice. Um, Mastuaka and Creswell was a big miss. But these games that are now important, I, I don't think we can rely on Johnson. It might be harsh because I know he's only young. But um, it, for the first time, he looked tired. And it's... It, it's almost like they are looking to Lingard for guidance all the time. But if Lingard's slightly off the boil, I think it shows throughout the rest of the team. But, yeah, like I say, it, it was gutting coming back to 2-2. And I thought we probably deserved the draw. But then that's when your game management comes into it and concede that goal right at the end. I mean, Johnson could have done better with the man he had over his shoulder. And um, I think Fabianski does better on another day as well. But he saved us so many times. So it's a bit harsh just singling him out. But the, the mistakes again, Diop. I mean, Dawson, that's a fucking terrible mistake, isn't it? But, um, yeah, like yeah. I said, it, just, it just comes down to game management purely. That's all it is. Yeah, it's disappointing after, uh, after obviously we, we've seen that. The t- I know we went 3 0 up in both of the last two games, but we see them out. So then, like you say, to get that back to 2 2, they were brilliant in the second half as well. I don't know what that first half was, but they were brilliant in the second half uh, to get that back. So, yeah, I think in game management again. For whatever reason, I think that's one thing David Moyes is actually really good at uh, and organising his teams. But lately, it, just, it, it deflates you. Getting all that hard work to get back to 2 2 and then to concede another sloppy goal, it, it's just deflating. Yeah, it's been pretty non existent, I think, that in game management. Sorry, John, I should have introduced you properly at the start. I mean, uh, how are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah, all good. Yeah. I, I, I announced on Twitter I was coming on and then. Um... Like being, although I could have gone to West Ham on loan um, when I just signed pro at Chelsea, like a lot of people like to associate me with uh, Chelsea and Millwall when they they said to me, like, really, you, you shouldn't be giving too much of a fuck coming on to West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I've always had a soft spot for uh, West Ham because a lot of my pals are West Ham supporters. And like I say, the fact that I could have gone there on loan and probably turned out to be one of the biggest mistakes of me, me career in the early days. Yeah. So nice to be here. Yeah. Who was manager then, John? Manager, uh, I think it would have been uh, John, it was John Lowell that made the request. Um, it was we played at uh, the old Berlin, like Upton Park. People would call it after the tube station, don't they? But the old Berlin ground in the football combination. I think it's we, it was either nil nil or we nicked a one nil. I just signed pro for Chelsea. They offered me four years. And I said uh, I wasn't happy with the money, so I elected to sign for two. Uh, the way things turned out, I probably should have signed for four, but. Um, 
Yeah, I had an outstanding game. And our manager at the time was my old youth team manager, Ken Shiletto. And then they're obviously upstairs having a chinwag with the hierarchy at West Ham. And John Lowe said, well, I'd love to take him on loan. Um, he came into the dressing room after the game, uh, Ken, straight up to me I was, as I was banging my boots out. And um, he, he, he proposed it to me. And I just said, no, I, I don't want to. I'm a, I'm a Chelsea player. You know, so I, did, I didn't see the point in being offered a four-year pro contract and then wanting to ship me out on loan. But that's probably my inexperience and naivety and uh, the fact that I was probably a little bit awkward on how, how to handle things. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So you could have been a West Ham boy yourself. Oh yeah, I could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in the old days, it was like one of the clubs that was sniffing around me. Um, I think the scout at the time was a guy by the name of this is how far back it is, uh, Wally St. Pierre. Um, bit before mine and Adam's times, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wally St. Pierre. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's how that's how long ago it was. Yeah, but you know things pan out the way they pan out, don't they? Or what yeah, if they? Yeah. Sorry, mate. Sorry, all, all what ifs? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All what ifs, ifs and buts, and uh, if only. Yeah, but like I say, I, I mean, I've done a book a couple of years ago. It's, it, got, it went really well. Um, I probably should have done it twenty years ago, like in the, in the immediate aftermath of the uh, the Channel Four documentary. But um, yeah, I'll give like quite sort of due recognition. I praise for some of the goings on at West Ham. And um, like I say, it's one of the biggest regrets in my career. Always keep an eye on it because a lot of, a lot of my pals will follow West Ham. Yeah, you're from East London as well, is that right? I was born East, yeah. 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 And, and then uh, we moved north. But um, yeah, I mean, my old man, when, when remember going, we used to go down the caravan. My mum and my aunt bought a caravan. We used to go to Clacton uh, for our summer holidays. I remember uh, and then down onto the pier, at Walton and then across the road there was a little family pub so we got stuck in me and my brother got stuck in the little where the kids go and I remember watching the thing on the telly um, so I, I must have been about six or seven match of the day and I said like oh dad like can we, can we go football can you take me to football and he said yeah I'll take you to football son he said on one condition we only go to the Arsenal so he bought yeah. me I've tried to bring me up as an Arsenal supporter yeah, so I was like every home game on the North Bank with him as like from the age of about six or seven. But then what happens is you start to get your representative honours, and when you start doing the rounds and like like the, what they call the, the evening coaching uh, sessions, what, what, what would be academies now, um, you know, you just you start to go think along professional lines, and your allegiances obviously end up with the club that you end up at. Yeah, yeah, I've always wondered that about. Like a lot, Harry Kane, for example, he's he, he meant to be an Arsenal fan, right? But then now you look at him and he's like fully, fully fledged Tottenham fan. And well, Tottenham, he loves the club and all that. Listen, stuff, so. They all say the same, though, don't they? When you play for a club, I think it's different. Like Declan Rice, he's all his old family at Chelsea. But once we turned him over 1 0 earlier, I think it was last season when it Creswell when he cut in. Declan Rice was fucking so happy doing that interview. He couldn't stop smiling. But yeah. that's, his, that's his family team. I think when you're playing for the team that you're playing for, I think being a fan just goes out the window, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what you've got to bear in mind with Declan, I think like he probably, uh, he was, that was one that he was, they were sniffing around him as a kid. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, if they I'm released right. him, didn't they? That's what I was going to say. I'm not sure if I'm yeah. right in saying they released him. So you've got that little, it's like when, um, with all due respect to you guys and and uh, the, like the goings on there, um, I had a fallout at Chelsea with uh, with Jeff Hurst and Bobby Gold. I ended up at Millwall, and I had eighteen of the happiest months of my life there. You know what I mean? So like, the big thing for me 
um, after I went on from Millwall to Gillingham, he's like was fil- finishing above Millwall in the league. It's like a, it's like a profes- yeah. it's like a professional thing, you know, like uh, almost as if like you got a point to prove. Yeah. Like, you know, like a like a little feather in your cap. So I, I should imagine that's where he was coming from, Deckman. You know what I mean? He's when you um when you moved from Chelsea to Millwall, you got a bit of stick off a fan in the booze, didn't you? Uh, Millwall, yeah, yeah. yeah someone had to apologise. Yeah, yeah. What happened yeah. there, John? Ah, uh, what it was, it was um I was still slight bedding in, but I, I settled in very quickly and quite nicely. I mean, the manager fought the world of me, George Petchy, um, who was years and years and years ahead of his time in terms of like player welfare and um, like sort of being interactive with the players, making sure like that you were, you got everything you needed and, and to be truthful with you, the, probably the best sessions of the week was when he was on the training field. Uh, you Bear in mind like when he'd done the rounds at places like Palace, Leighton or in, um, bedded in and introduced the likes of Laurie Cunningham to the game. Yeah. Um, so I, like, I settled in quite nicely. So I was somewhere between the two. like So you had the old school, like Barry Kitchener, and then the likes of uh, John Jackson, who George bought with him, Nicky Chatterton, who he made skipper, uh, Johnny Mitchell, come from Fulham. And then there was me. I'd, I'd arrived as a 20-year-old, so I was just slightly older than the FA Youth Cup winning side, um, skipper by Paul Roberts. But they really formed the nucleus of the side, so I was quite close to them in age. And what happened was Barry Kitchener... Um, a bit cliched, uh, started to get ready uh, for when he was going to be out of the game and got hold of a pub in the Old Kent Road, on the corner of the Old Kent Road, Peckham Park Road. And um, we used to go there, we was invited down there and he, he had a special room upstairs converted for us and the opposition. And I remember we played Brentford at home, but I think we'd done them 3-1 uh, and everyone was invited back. And then I was just like, a few Chelsea mates come and watch the game. Um, ex-Chelsea colleagues come and watch the game from my age group we're sitting there having Arthur Lager and I just got approached by this geezer and uh, hello mate how are you yeah lovely yourself do you enjoy the game yeah good result blah 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 so how you settling I said yeah I'm loving it I said because uh, like the crowd took to me I scored on my own debut and I I remember there was um, like I mentioned in my book I went through three like three fifty fifties in very quick succession yeah. I got I got sold short I've gone gone into a 50-50, gone through the geezer, the ball squirmed out, and then um, I got up quick, and then it was another 50-50, I've gone through the second geezer, the ball squirmed out, I've got up, third 50-50, gone through the geezer, and then I thought, fuck me, I need a breather, I just rolled it short, <laughs> whoever, like Nicky Chats, the fucking gaff erupted like we won the European Cup, you know what I mean, so then then I scored my free kick, we get a wide free kick, and um, I'll give, I'm jogging up. I tell you, it was it was Oxford. They went through the divisions like you wouldn't believe. I think they ended up winning the Milk Cup, um, a couple a couple of three four years later. I've given Nicky Chatterton the eye treatment, and uh, he's just spotted the ball, looked up, with 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 our eyes have met. I've just gone bump bump like threatening the back of the defender, got across him. He's he's whipped it in about head eye. I've gone crunch, you know what I mean? Head, neck, and shoulders, fucking top corner. It was like someone had volleyed it, you know what I mean? One of them. <laughs> The crowd erupted. So then, so then, with a couple of weeks later, we're having the thing in the boozer, and the geezer's like, uh, "So I said, yeah, I'm settling in, lovely. I'm really enjoying it, you know, because I mean? the fans have took to me. That, that after that game, that first game I'm talking about, they wanted to take me out. I fucking, I had a couple of hours of lager. I thought I've got to go on the missing list here, you know what I mean? Because it's going to get messy. <laughs> and it, it, anyway, he's he's uh, just out of nowhere. I, I, he, he said, "Well, we fucking, we don't want you here." He said, "You're a fucking Kings Road puff." Like that, so 
anyway, I'll just, I'll react it. There, there was what, uh, what you might call a bit of a fracker. And um, <laughs> it, it got broke up. He's, he's topped up. He's, Barry Kitchener had a, had a strong word with him. And um, I'll just, I ended up, it got broken up. There's about 10, 15 people all dived in, including my teammates. And he, 10 was out of order. I mean, he, uh, I, th I think like it's, it's fight or flight, isn't it? I don't know what yeah. come over. I don't know what come over me. It was just my age. I think I was like I was twenties. He, he actually pulled a knife out and uh, clicked the blade. I will fucking cut you and all this sort of carry on. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, when I think yeah. about it now, you just think, oh. Anyway, um, like I say, fight or flight, and uh, there was a bit of a fracas, and then uh, he ended up. He, he topped up. He rang me the next morning. Fuck, I've got, I'm, I'm in bed with a fucking hangover, and he gets me out of bed at quarter past eight to apologise. <laughs> He said, you're one of oh, us. Right. Yeah, you're one of us now, like, and all that. So I just thought, you know, there was no need for it, but I just said, all right, let's move on. Yeah, apology accepted. Let's move on. Yeah. So, but oh, then, yeah. yeah, but then, then, then 18 months later, is, uh, um, George, I think George had a bit of ill health, and then a geezer um, come out of nowhere. I say nowhere. It was actually Tampa in Florida. 24-carat um, cunt by the name of Peter Anderson. I had no fucking idea about the English no, game. Millwall, this and that, you know what I mean? And uh, for whatever reason, he didn't like the cut of me jib. And uh, a few, it was a few shackles changing hands. He said, "I want to, I want to change, move things around, and all that." So I ended up having having chat, having a chat with uh, with Keith Peacock, ex Cholton, who took over at Gillingham. Yeah, so I, I went there, and it, it was it was uh, great with great satisfaction that we finished. We just missed out on promotion. Actually, it was a good side that Gillingham side. A very yeah. good side, yeah. So we just missed out, but we just missed out on promotion. But we finished uh, six or seven places above Millwall, which was after them spending a fortune in Millwall terms. Um, you know, great satisfaction from it. Finish above back where it started. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's decent. Uh, it's good to good to get to know you a bit better. Um, I just want to go back to yesterday's game. Uh, you said you watched the highlights on Matthew today. Yeah, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't subscribe to the bit like the big thing. I, I just a lot, lot, a lot of people. I just settled for for the highlights on match of the day. Yeah. yeah. What did you make of what? What did you make of what you saw on match of the day from the West Ham game? Well, I'm a, a bit disappointed um, in in the respect that like after like pulling it back to two two, um, that they struggled to close shot. Although there was a like the man down. Uh, you see from the off, I just think I look at it. Because I've, I've always said, I've always maintained, because um, I, I like all the, I'll be honest, I like all the London sides to do well. And um, yeah, yeah I, I think you've got to have Art of Stone if you don't, if you can't still, like my, especially my age, my era, if you can't, if you can't have a soft spot for the for the West Ham connection with regards to the, the like England World Cup win and all the, and Bobby Moore and all the rest of it. Um, and not obviously, uh, I might be going sort of off piece a little bit, but my, I think the godfather of coaching in this country, and I think he was shot on from a great height, was Malcolm Allison, who was ex-West Ham. Yeah. And, and Bobby Moore says that he he he, um, he wouldn't have made a player if it weren't for Big Mel's help and input. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, you know, I've, I've always, he's always been my guiding light. And then you've got different people who've worked there. I come across Tony Carr. Um, I know, know uh, Johnny Cartwright, who was, who's, uh, he was ex-West Ham at one time. Um, so I've always kept an eye on it and I look at it now and I just think to myself I've always maintained that West Ham are at their best particularly under Moyes if they uh, and I've had this thing like to and throwing on Twitter occasionally um, over the last <laughs> few years um, I just think we all are at their best uh, beg your pardon I think West Ham are at their best when they play 
uh, a very high tempo. Um, and my, my preference is, which, which obviously, um, it, it, without trying to be a clever dick with the benefit of hindsight, I think like in terms of playing, but there's a lot of teams guilty of it. I think they need to uh, play higher up the field. What they didn't do enough, and a lot of teams don't do it enough in all divisions, is they don't work hard enough to keep the opposition out of their penalty area. And and, yeah. and, and, there, and there's like certain drills you can do in training and certain coaching sessions you can do to, to encourage that in terms of defensive strategy. But you could see at the start, I mean, I, I agree with what, what you said there, at, uh, what you said at the start there. I, I thought they looked a bit tired physically. And as a consequence, it, it, it's they're a bit tired mentally. And you could see that first ball, there was a bit of like the passing, which is unusual at West Ham, it, it went a bit astray. And I think yeah. it, was, it was trying to set it back and punch it into um, Noble. And it, he's missed it. Yeah. And it, it's ended up um, ended up with Dawson having to uh, commit the foul to stop them bit being it on the break. That's your first yellow card. And then the one where he's, he's controlled it with like touch it touch like a blacksmith, wasn't it? Oh, it fucking troubling that, wasn't it? Yeah. So so it's, it sort of bounced off him and then he's gone in and, and took him out and ended up with a red. Yeah. The problem uh, I've got with that, he did not have to lunge in whatsoever. That touch went a good five yards. If he turned face then, he was up with play. Yeah, but he, he's he's uh, what I like. He's yeah, what I liked about what well, that's, that's the, 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 the thing. The cl- classic example of being mentally tired because what happens is, uh, what I would coach or what I would suggest or what, what I would have done as a player, I would have backed off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what you do, it, it, good defending is all about. Um, it's about a few things, but a couple of them are making play predictable, and and sometimes it's just about delaying. You don't have to go and win the ball. Sometimes you just you just have to delay an attack. If you, and if he backs off there, he's done a great job for the side. Even like the initial like first bad touch um, that's put him in trouble. If he just backs off there, that buys a bit of time and it delays the uh, the break, the opposition on the break. And then like you you should have recovery runs from your teammates to get round yeah. about the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That exactly. Was- exactly. No, I think diving in uh, diving in was a, a big mistake because um, then it just it just set. Balancing maximum, like on his way, yeah. and, and when he's running with the ball, when he's got the ball at his feet, running with it, and especially in that position, it, you, you're in a bit of trouble, and that and that proved to be the case yesterday. Um, I think I, I look, get... I, I, very quickly, I think what well, this is one of the things I like about Moyes, right? He always gives an honest appraisal, and yeah. I, and I and I think this is my belief, and I'm sitting there thinking last night, um, maybe it was something that like. I've never been lacking, but maybe it's come across and I haven't articulated it well enough in, 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 in years gone by. But I think you can be cunning and I think you can be crafty and I think you can be clever. Um, and But at the same, which he is, Moise, very much so, because I, I, you look at him and you think to yourself, like, sometimes he gives out little, like, valve messages. Um, but at the same time, I think you can also be honest in terms of your appraisal. And I think that's what he did yesterday or last night when I saw it. Um you know, he said mistakes are made. You know, and at the end, we made a couple of bad mistakes. I mean, the other, the other obvious one was was Fabianski flapping at the ball. You yeah. got to come oh, out. Yeah. yeah, always, always said when coaching goalkeepers, and uh, it was nice because I see uh, Roy Keane mention it uh, about a guy who I played with actually at Gillen, Seamus McDonough. He was the goalkeeping uh, coach, at, and he, he was like that, Seamus, as a as a goalkeeper. He, he was goalkeeping coach, I think, for um, one, of, like, one of the Irish representative teams. It might have been the full, full national side. Um, 
when I, when I was coach, when he was coach at Northern, uh, I was working with Martin O'Neill for the Republic, begging yeah, yeah. and he said, "Well, like, if a goalkeeper comes out, you got you got to come out with uh, a bit of violence." You know what I mean? So, like, the, the, the point he's making is, you come out, you got to take the lot. You just everything right, yeah. in front of you has got to be like ten pin bowling. Do you know what I mean? They just end up hit the deck, and you've either got to catch it cleanly, or you got you got to get like a double fist to it. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, to be fair to Fabianski, and to be fair to the team, I, I think that's unfortunately it's a bit of wrong timing. But that's the first time all season we've made mistakes leading to goals. And unfortunately, it happened twice, and and then going down to ten minutes just—it's it's good for it's good for the club though, in the respect that it's good for Moyes. And and let me tell you why, because what it does, it highlights the lack of strength in depth at West Ham. Yes. What what he's got to be—he's got to be given now a free a free hand to run the gaff. Uh, listen, I I might be talking out of turn. I don't know, but I've been receiving second, third hand information that in previous like bygone years and previous regimes, it wasn't always the manager that signed off and had the final say on transfers. No, that's right. Uh, Moyes has got to have the final say, and he's got to be allowed to piece together uh, the squad that he wants. And, and quite clearly, you, listen, it'd be a miss for anybody. Declan would be a miss for anybody, right? But quite clearly, they they need Declan Rice um, in the side as one of the mainstays, right? Uh, probably, without that, it could be captain for the next 12 years. Um, and without Antonio up front, he's, I think he's had a problem with his hamstring. I mean, he's built like a brick shithouse, you know what I mean? And uh, he's, he's, he's a good athlete. And um, years ago, they got, him at, they got him out of non-league as a winger from Tooting. Um, and, and he somehow converted him into a centre-forward. And, and he's... Again, he's a big miss. So, like, without without them them, them two, um, I think what it's done, it's highlighted the need for him to be able to get on with his job. And I think he's shown with the two with the two Eastern Block boys that he's bought that he's got an eye he's got an eye for a, a snip and, 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 well. and yeah, work within budget and get good players within budget. Yeah, well, we went over his um, over, over David Moyes' transfer uh, a few episodes ago, and I mean throughout his whole career. His transfers, I mean, what the majority, the vast majority, have all been very good. He's only got maybe five or six, I think, throughout his whole career where you can actually pinpoint and go like they're they're bad signings. Other than that, throughout his whole career, he's made good signings wherever he's been, and I, I think he's done it again. And West Ham, and you, and you bang on when you're saying that he should be given more power because it's another problem we've got, and what we spoke about it with Bird. The G, uh, GSB, uh, David Sullivan especially, he he go he'll go to the manager. Uh, Sam Allardyce come out and said it on Talksport. He'll go to the manager and he'll say, "Yeah, I'll take this striker. Take this striker. Or don't have no one." And I think Moyes in January is what me me and Bird have sort of had an argument about it. Moyes in January turned around and said, "Like no, I'd, I'd rather save the money um, in, until the summer." And so he, he don't want to just be taking any of uh, David Sullivan's like cheap options. He's actually looking to go out well, himself. This, Sam, this is where we can get a proper opinion because, John, if you were Scaffer and um, someone comes to you, there was 30 mil there, only 30 mil. Okay. And someone comes to you in January and said, take this money, go get a striker. If there's no one out there you fancy, are you spending the money for the sake of it? No. No, that's an emphatic no. And and this, and, is, and, my, this and, is my and, argument. Yeah, and the bottom and the bottom line is the bottom line is if if it's it's a situation where if if you're gonna you don't want to fail you want to succeed but if you are gonna go um, 
that route, you've got to have the final say in the respect that, like, if if it all goes a little bit belly up, then it, it's on it's on the back of it's your, on you, on you, and it's on your decisions. Me, me personally, I mean, I've been saying it for decades. I just think it's been done at West Ham. It's been done too 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 wrong for too long. I think it should be an amalgam of the two. Although they've got the massive jump now, what should be a massive jump in revenue from in my day. Um, I mean, I know they dropped it because it became all-seater and all the rest of it, but in my day, it was normally 38 packed into uh, the old Upton Park Berlin ground, depending on who you're talking to. Like I said earlier, some of them used to call it after the after the tube stop, right? But uh, So it was 38 case. So now it's jumped to... Uh, uh, just a tad above 60. So 60, let's say 61. That's a massive, yeah. massive, massive jump in revenue. Um, but the bottom line is, they were always revered, although although some of it, and, and I'm going to be controversial here, some of it was a myth because there was like a long, long, long time, big gaps between production of players um, through the youth ranks. And then there was a big glut all at once. Um I just think like West Ham were renowned and always revered for for producing their own players, yeah. and 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 that's I always thought, thought that the, if there was going to be a stewards, the stewards should have been behind the scenes with regards to the lack of productivity coming through the youth ranks, and uh, I'd have give I'd have give a body part. Probably I would have donated a testicle to have been behind the scenes there as part of the like West Ham youth setup or academy, whatever. Because when you look at it. Uh, let me. I'm just going to say this very quickly, right? Because it ties in the two. Uh, when I come away from uh, thing, I was very close when I was at Lake Norwich with an ex-West Ham player and who was a cracking coach, and I wanted him as my number two when I was actually having discussions with Barry Earn to carry on at Lake Norwich, and he promised me a three-year deal. I wanted Patsy Holland as my number two, and yeah. I always had a very good relationship with Pat. Anyway, I'll, I'll probably put the final now with my own coughing because it turned out that. Um, Pat ended up taking over from me. Um, although he, he, he's another one. He didn't last too long. I think he had about 10 months. Um, but I think that says more about the club than it did about me or Pat, uh, which is which is another issue altogether. But Pat got a bit of scouting work for Arsenal and Manchester City. And I remember going to watch and putting his scout reports um, on uh, f- three players in particular I was asked to look at. And I put in very, very favourable reports. One of them, the only one to take a chance on him was David Moyes at Everton, right? I put in a blinding report for Tim Cahill at Millwall. And uh, and, and David Moyes took a, took a chance. He had, had a fantastic career at, uh, at Everton under him. Yeah. Another, another one was a very, um, uh, a bit on the plump side, 17-year-old guy by the name of Frank Lampard. Right, So I've got this uh, fucking dickhead on radio, uh, Johnny Vaughan, I think he'd been on the White Espresso again, saying that I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I said that I'd discovered him. I never, I never said I'd discovered him. What I said is I put in a good scouting report and said to Manchester City, get him now while he's worth the money. You understand? Because in yeah. in years to come, they're going to want 20, 30, 40 mil. Um, but now you, you could get him for reasonable money. Anyway, Chelsea took the chance and got him. And uh, the rest is history. Went on, had an unbelievable, absolutely magnificent career at Chelsea and uh, I scoring midfield player, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and one of the t- I'll see it last night. One of the top, one of the top uh, seven or eight scorers in the, in Premier League history. The other one was a centre back, Arjun de Zou. Um, yeah, places like Wigan. Portsmouth. Yeah, Wigan, Portsmouth, Gaff, Portsmouth Gaff, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So the point, the point being, what I'm saying to you is, I think it's got to get back to uh, if there's a West Ham way in inverted commas. 
and I, I fully understand where he's coming from, Sam Allardyce, when he had a pop back. 100% I understand where he's coming from because they were they were like going up, like promotion, relegation, promotion, relegation with a couple of year gap in between. He said, as far as I can see, the West Ham way is getting relegated. You know what I mean? What you've got to do, you've got to find an happy medium, somewhere middle of the road. And, and I think Moyes is well on the way to finding that. And I'll tell you what highlighted it for me was last week, right, because you've got, you, you, you'd lose count now. You'd lose count. You've got teams trying, the goalkeeper rolling it out in his own six-yard box, inviting pressure, right? And they're conceding, other teams are conceding goals for fun because the biggest effect on the Premier League by any foreign manager without a shadow of a doubt has been Pep Guardiola. And every, everyone's trying to copy. They've never been able to coach like Pep Guardiola and they ain't got the players to coach like Pep Guardiola. So you, everyone needs a dose in reality, a dose of reality, a full dose of reality. And what I see with West Ham last week, which led to one of their goals against Leicester, was they've rolled it out and they've gone, we're, we're going to try and play out from the back. But what we're going to do, we're going to look for a, the furthest ball forward, which is what Declan Rice needs to do more for England, instead of pass it back, pass it back, pass it sideways, pass it back, pass it sideways, pass it back, pass it back, pass it sideways. What you've got to do, get it out your feet, get it out your body and look for the furthest ball forward. And the second one, if it is the furthest ball forward, can you do damage? And what he's done, yeah. and I think it was Diop, he, clip, he clipped a ball down the side of someone and then like, boom, 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 before you know, it's ended up in the back of the net. So yeah. there's no disgrace and no embarrassment whatsoever in um, in looking for that kind of pass. And I remember I often quote uh, Bob Paisley, right? Um, he said, it's not about the short pass. It's not about the long pass. It's about the right pass. Yeah. right? And, and, and that's the bottom line. And I just think like given I've done the full badge with um, Alan Irving, he's number two. Uh, Lilly, that was Lillishaw 1990. He was in my group, Irving, a good forensic coach, very good coach. And I just think if if they if they it's left in his capable hands, Moisey, I just think like they're uh, if they get back to that happy medium of the West Ham way, the West Ham way is always should have been producing your own players. And then what you do, you intersperse it. If if you if you if you nick an Antonio out of non-league, happy days. It's like a mini lottery win, right? And then like yeah. you're going back to your original thing, if you if say like is a wad thirty mil, I say well, there's no one on the market yet. Right, because I remember a documentary behind the scenes, and it's what I tried to do much lower down, which is what you should do. I remember a thing where Moyes had the had in the manager's office, like a big whiteboard, and he's monitoring on a weekly, if not daily, but most certainly a monthly basis, different players who who'd had favourable scouting reports, but no one else was chasing or no one else knew of. So yeah. I, I think he's he's a he's a what what the what the sweaties would call a canny operator. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just talking about Moyes, what what do you think? How has he transformed the team this season? Like from from your point of view, being in the dressing room as a as a player and the manager yourself, what is it you think Moyes? How, how do you think he's transformed the dressing room um, and the squad to take us from like like you say like mucking about near the relegation? He's been to, clever. He's been very clever. He's been very clever. It depends how far you want to go back. I looked at Pellegrini and I'm, I'm going backwards and forwards with West. They, they think I had an anti-West Ham agenda, obviously. I, I ain't. You know what I mean? Um, there's always that suspicion. Listen, it, it's too deep and profound for this show. And I, don't, I want to try and keep it light and thing. But I'm not that tribal because I think it suits the authorities. For, for, for everybody else to be tribal, it suits the authorities. Whereas I think like... 
uh, from years ago, uh, if you had the likes of Millwall, West Ham, Chelsea, etc., coming together, it's a bigger problem for them, right? But that's another issue. That's a political issue, right? Going, going to your question, right? I think, like, if I go back to Pellegrini, I, I used to uh, coat him because of his body language. I thought he's the most uninspiring uh, manager I've ever seen in my... And they're going on about his record. Then I said, well, uh, somewhere, wherever it was, I think, wherever the fuck, uh, Spain somewhere, I said, my, my missus probably could have fucking won, won the league with that team or the, or the yeah. cup, whatever. Right? And with City. And City, right? So you just, here's the ball. It's the old Brian Clough thing. You put the ball on the massage bench, you treat it like your best friend chaps, all the best, right? And you let them go out and play because you're dealing with like, like world-class players. At West Ham, it's a different kettle of fish, right? So what Moyes, I think, has bought in, um, first of all, he's, I think they're very, he's surrounded himself with staff. I know from Irving at, at Lillishaw, you're probably talking, uh, A, would be very, very thorough which leads to B, um, looks much more structured and organised. C, I think he's been very clever politically, right? This, I mean yeah. this, listen, I mean this with the utmost respect and don't take it the wrong way, right? I said three years ago that Mark Noble was finished, right? Um, and he went from being an England, possible England player, to losing his legs two, three seasons ago. And I think the season he's got, with all due respect, he's lucky because it's a great club like West Ham. I ended up at clubs. I've done 10 years at eight, late in Orient. You've got play, players done two years and they've got fucking bars and stands named after them. You understand what I mean? So fantastic West Ham. But I think like this, the last year is almost like a gratuity to him to have another yeah. one, to have another one year playing contract. And I yeah. think what he's done, I think he's, he's injected within the framework of his organisation. He's injected a little bit more athleticism in vital areas, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the spine, if you look at the spine, right, work your way from front, front to back. Antonio, um, great pace, built like a cruiserweight boxer. Then you've got Declan, probably the same. You know what I mean? Good athlete, built like a cruiserweight boxer. Then you've got your centre-backs, uh, a bit more pace. So the point I'm making is there's there's more legs in, in vital areas, um, which I, I think he's been very clever in slowly phasing out uh, Mark Noble has been a magnificent player and servant, but it, listen, it, and I, that's why I say I mean it with the utmost respect because it's a much higher high level than I played at for the majority of my career. But the bottom line is, right in the end, your body gives out, your legs yeah. go, and I'm I'm afraid it's just my humble opinion for what it's what it's worth. I, I think it was the case with Mark of two or three year ago. I think yeah. if you look at West Ham close, and I think uh, like Bird, you, you probably know as well, but I think Noble. Knows that as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is, the problem is with that. I think he's there because of who he is. When, um, if it was someone else that had maybe been there two or three seasons, they're not getting another contract. But it's Mark Noble, and I don't think they wanted to go out without the fans being there either. Right, but here's the beautiful thing, right? Here's the beautiful thing with someone like Mark Noble at a club like West Ham. What they should do, what they probably will do, what they can do. Right, is making part of the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah. And in, 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 and what he should do. See, if I was there, if I was like, say, director of football or technical director or managing director, I would put him in charge of. So it's like it becomes aspirational for the youngsters. I would make him like put him in charge of the academy, some or, or head of youth development, something like that. Because he knows. Well, maybe he's, he's just signed a new 
contract for next year, which in the contract uh, he's going to, after the year's out, he, he goes on to the coaching role. All right. Well, that'll yeah, do he's, he's doing his badges and they're chucking him in with the 18s or 23s, I think. Yeah, that that I didn't know. Well, that's, a, that's a blinding move. I think it's a great yeah. move. Yeah, it's, a, so that's it's a, good from Moise's point of view. Uh, John, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you think today? So, when, when was you at Orient? What 20, 20 years ago? Roughly. Yeah, yeah. What would you mean as a player or a manager? Uh, as the manager. Yeah, I had, I had a brief tenure at the end of um, 93, 94 with five games to go, and if memory serves me right. Um, that was the year they were going to uh, decrease the numbers in the Premier League from 22 teams to 20. Yeah. So what it meant, it had a knock-on effect down the leagues. And um, in our division, four teams were going to be relegated. And um, with five games to go, the previous incumbent, where it was never really clearly defined because he carried on being paid for another 15 months, what happened was he, uh, he had a row in the boardroom and walked out. So I had to take over with five games to go, save them from relegation. Then uh, on an handshake and bullshit money, um, I took over the job. And then we had to lay off... Uh, hold on, Birdie's disappeared. Where's he gone? Where's he gone to make a cup of coffee? I thought he was going to make, going to make get, get, get a plate of digestives and a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had... Um, I, I basically had to cut the staff from 29 and we ended up with 15 players and two of them were goalkeepers. And the club was losing 10 grand a week for years, right? Well, what happened was, um, I'm, not, I'm not boring you, but what happened was it, uh-huh. it was, it was the opposite of serendipi- serendipity. The, the chairman at the time, Mr. Tony Wood, he had uh, a business for over just under 40 years, 38 years in Rwanda. And uh, the summer of, nine, uh, it was 94, 95 season, the summer of 94, it was the, Ru- the Rwandan Civil War. And uh, all, all the money he was earning from his coffee plantation, he some of the proceeds he was helping to underpin Leighton Orient's losses, which was like basically 10 grand a week, ergo 520 grand a year. So um, he'd been doing it for four years. So that was like two, two point whatever it was, million. Um, it, and and, and he, the, he said to me, my business has been decimated. So the club was losing 10 grand a week. And then I had to start making cutting costs and doing this and doing that um i actually at the end of it i left them i left them between it's in my briefcase upstairs i actually left them uh, 170 to 220 in the black so they, i took them from five 520 grand in the red but it's to the detriment of my own career yeah. you know what i mean so give, so it, give you, it you think a lot of that was down to the uh documentary as well Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's as the, as the duplicity and hypocrisy of football. But you know, yeah. people, people obviously never seen me work on the coaching field, and it, it's probably well well versed and well recognised now. Even even amongst interview, like they've done interviews of ex players like Glenn Cockrell and all that, and he said like they've Ian Bogey, people like that. They've they've all said I knew me stuff as a coach, and I was a good coach, and and uh, worked well on the training field as a coach. Um, but it probably should have been let the Chris turn it to be the manager. But then again, I'm not sure Chris would have put yourself out to do what I did, which I ended up doing six jobs within the football club. I was like yeah, first, yeah. Team, first team manager, first team coach, reserve team coach, youth team coach, um, scout, because the chief scout walked out. Uh, although I don't know why I was scouting because we never had any money at the players. Uh, the PFA were paying the wages for eight months. And then um, I ended up being commercial manager. 
when we needed money for overnight stays and coaches. The coach company we used said no more coaches um, until you settle your account in full. So I heard about that as well. Yeah. So like Stockport away, oh, I should, with the, with the benefit of experience now, instead of ringing pals who had businesses, can you, I'll put, you give you a mention in the program and put a board on the side of going around the pitch. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of ringing them for, to, to get the money for an overnight stay so we could go and play Stockport, I should have just sat back, sat back and let it happen. This is the state of affairs that I'm dealing with. But I'm like yeah. chasing around like a blue ass fly. And I still, and I still went out and did quality work on the training field. You know what I mean? So, uh, do you think you could manage in, in today's game? Uh, well, if you're if you're on the merry-go-round, it, it, it doesn't matter who the manager is. I don't care if it's David Moyes. I don't care if it's Jose Mourinho. Um, I don't care who it is. It, it's basically uh, your education is a continuum. It's not an overnight thing. No one can click their fingers and say, "Look, I know it all now." So it's a case very much of learn as you go. Yeah. Uh, it's a different ball game now. I mean, my my favourite all time West Ham player, um, and I remember the story from when I could have gone there under, under John Lyle. My favourite all time West Ham player for a number of reasons uh, is Billy Bonds, and I and, oh, I, yeah. and I, I remember uh, the story. I think it might have been from Tony Gow, who who I grew up with, and and we we got all our representative on us together, and we've been good pals for decades now. And he said, like, like they're done training or, or something. And they were having, a, it might have been a pre-season. And he, he was going to do another session or Billy was going to go out for a run on his own. And John Lowell said, like, uh, we've got some things to sort out, Bill, with regards to your, your contract. And Billy Bond said, well, sort it out and I'll sign it when I come back in. <laughs> now you've got like an agent and then you've got an assistant yeah. for the agent and then a secretary for the assistant and then an assistant for the secretary's assistant. You know what I mean? It's just like a cacophony of bullshit. The problem is back then players generally feared their manager, didn't they? I mean, you had a few loose cannons like there was John Moncur and Razor. I think they fucking done what they wanted, really. Julian Dix never warmed up because they had a bar for the Mars bar. Nowadays, with these fucking big players and these big contracts, they've got more ammo over the gaffer than they ever had before. I think teams would rather get rid of managers now to keep players happy. Where it weren't like that back in your day, was it? People, people were generally feared of the manager. Yeah, I mean, I've always maintained. I'll be honest, Bertie, I've always maintained there's uh, there's, there's an element of fear. Um, there's always been an element of fear in the game, whether it's a manager or not. My my personal fear was uh, whatever club I was at was losing my first team shirt, and then uh, not being able to get get sort of renegotiate a new contract. You understand what I mean? So, yeah. and, and if you're at clubs like in London, if you're at clubs like um, see West Ham, really by rights for the since they moved, even getting it ready before they moved to the Olympic Stadium, by rights they should be going from strength to strength. Um, then you look at in bygone years, clubs like Arsenal, Man United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool. The, the only way is down. So there's that. If you're if you're if you're a conscientious professional and you're thinking about your career and you're you're a, you're a good pro footballer, you should be you should realise that. You know what I mean? I was I was I was like um, a surly, like trappy, like balls out youngster um, with a cavalier attitude and. Um, I got out of my pram uh, when I should have kept my mouth shut. But then again, I thought I had just called <laughs> when I had a row with Jeff Hurston, Bobby Gould and Brian Eastick because I expected a lot more from uh, an England international scored an hat-trick in a World Cup final. 
But the bottom line is, as a coach, he was fucking useless. That that uh, I'll I'll, I'll listen. I'll take I'll take to the thing with anyone. I'll debate anyone. If you come in and you, it's what they normally say when they can't think of anything else to do. Because like you can do the work with a ball, right? But he come in sweeping generalization. No one in this football club's fit enough. You're a disgrace. Da 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 da. And he basically ran the bollocks off us for nine yeah, he months. Yeah, just, he just run everyone, didn't he? Yeah, nine months. Nine, the, 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 or at least the time I knew him. Um, yeah. He just uh, basically, and it carried on after I left as well. I just, I, I, I was, I said, this, what's going on here? You know what I mean? We, we had, um, after Steve Finiston got, got sold to Sheffield United, he was the top scorer in the promotion winning side under Eddie McCready, who was another one years ahead of his time. Um, the full so just back at Chelsea. Back at Chelsea, yeah. Uh, the first, just the full package. What you want from a manager: personality, charisma, above all else, coaching ability. Um, uh, great man, manager. Great manager around the club. Be the first one in, last one to leave. Had a general eye, like a, like a father figure on everything. But when he was out on the training field, phenomenal. And um, so I went from that and Dario Grady and Ken Shalato. So the equivalent at West Ham would be like the likes of John Cartwright, Malcolm Allison. Um, John Lyle, without a shadow of a doubt, I went from that to uh, you know patterns of play and uh, defensive strategy and throw-ins and set pieces, restarts, whatever you want to call them, uh, which is basically uh, free kicks and corners, um, and then drills, finishing drills, and then uh, little drills for defenders, marking and retreating, one-touch clearances. I went from that to seven-mile run every day over Richmond, or. <laughs> One, a little jog around the track at Stamper Bridge, do a few stretches, not like the three-stage warm-up they do now, um, yeah. because they are now professional athletes. And then you do like, uh, like uh, two 800 metres, four 400 metres, four all shoes, four box-to-box, -box, four sets of doggies and a nine-a-side. Did that for, uh, you know what I mean? Fucking hell. Yeah. Well, well, I'm no, I've, I've got the hump with it and piped up. I've got the ump of it yeah. piped up, you know what I mean? Because we we went, like I was saying earlier on, um, I went off tangent slightly. Uh, we had Steve Finiston, who, a phenomenal finisher, went to Sheffield United, and it was never the same for him uh, because Chelsea went over budget on the New East stand and they nicked 100 grand for Stevie Finiston and basically the forwards in the club, they couldn't score on a fucking stag night in a brothel in Thailand. You know what <laughs> I mean? It was, that's, how bad, that's how bad it was. So just talking about Chelsea, get on to them. We've actually got them next week. Yeah. Uh, what 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 are you making of them under Tuchel uh, since since he's got involved? Yeah, well, you see, it's a bit, little bit similar to what I intimated about uh, like David Moyes. I mean, you get the new manager bounce uh, initially. Uh, there was the blip against West Brom, which was a, like a complete freak show. Um, yeah. But it, I think they've still got problems. I think a lot of clubs are going to have problems this summer. Um, and it's a case of managing what you've got. I still think Chelsea have got problems at the back. I, I sincerely do. Um, mm. But he's gone in there and he's... See, I fought under Frank. I, I, saw, I saw the game. I went there. It was like a thing for me, 60th birthday. It was a treat to go back to Stamford Bridge because I ain't been back for decades. Um, and I was like, sort of after six years there, I was seen as like maybe a little bit um, un-PC and a little bit too trappy and... Um, not what you might call corporate. Um, I went back and my treat was, I was offered Palace. I was offered a couple of European games. And I said, no, I want to go to the West Ham game. This is a couple of Octobers ago. And um, he does it. Funny enough, it's exactly the same pattern of play uh, almost. 
Um, and uh, West Ham nicked the one nil. I don't know if you remember Alvin Martin's boy do, have, having the keeping the clean yes. sheet. Yeah, yeah, well. he, he up in the stands, didn't he? Quite after. Yeah, well, I was at, I was at that I was at that game, and I was very very disappointed with um, the lack of imagination from uh, Frank and Jody Morris. They had basically one pattern of play. West Ham had been well briefed on it and were very, yeah. very disciplined and uh, played extremely well on the day in terms of uh, the defenders all doing their jobs. Uh, but the main thing being the discipline and the shape, and they nicked a 1-0. Um, where, cool, where, where he's concerned, I think he's gone in and it's like a, like a complete, like, like a 180, because I saw under Frank, um, looked look like a bit of anarchy was creeping in. It's because it's all very well giving players a uh, license to express themselves. And I would only do it in certain areas of the field. But I just think it got to the stage where they was doing what they wanted. And I think what he's done is he's he's instilled a bit of shape, bit of discipline. Um, discipline, yeah. In, in particular. Yeah, well, I think they've got since he's been there. That uh, when in January they've now got fourteen clean sheets as well. So it's going to take it's going to take something pretty yeah. special, I'd imagine, to uh I've to got, go I've, there. I got coated at Lake Norrie for that. <laughs> trying to build trying to build from the back you know what I mean yeah. for like 110 years teams have built from the back listen yeah. there's, bo there's books been written about it it's, it's actually a thing the geezer was on the Steve Wright show and it was it was a mag and I, I know it was remiss of me not to remember his name and actually ordered a book but it's uh, it ties in with football and big business and and the, and the common denominator is they both start you should to get success you've got to start from a position of giving nothing away George Graham at Arsenal. Yeah, boy, whoever it is, yeah, yeah, whoever it is, you, you've yeah. got to have that. You've got to have that foundation. You must have that foundation, and and that, exactly, that, that, exactly that, that. that's your launch pad. That's your launch pad for uh, for success going forward and trying trying to score goals. You know what I mean? Our problem is, uh, I look back and there were too many teams I played in where the best you could hope for is a nil nil. So that's that's the flip side of the coin. And yeah. I actually, I actually had the dubious pleasure of coaching and managing one. So if the best you can hope for is a nil-nil, right? Then supporters have got to take into account uh, and bear in mind and have a little bit of sympathy for the manager. You understand? Because the most priceless commodity in the game is goals. But I, I happen yeah. to think, I, I happen to think that both uh, are as important as, an, as as one another. That's just my that's just my thoughts on it. So what do you think we can expect? Uh, Moyes sort of to come up with on Saturday, bearing in mind like we're quite injury hit at the moment and obviously Chelsea are in a run of form where they're not conceding goals. What do you think, how do you think David Moyes is going to go into that game? I think the, it probably goes a lot, I mean, I'm second guessing, it probably go along similar lines as what he did yesterday, um, but preferably, see, oh, this is what I can't understand. I mean, it, it, it the centre-backs, they're pretty decent athletes. You understand? I can't understand why he doesn't try and defend further up the field. But then the problem you've got with somewhere like, uh, someone like Chelsea, if you do that, they've got the pace like they showed yesterday with Manchester City. Because they also, they almost said to Manchester City, bring it on, come on, and sort of called them on. And yeah. then when they, they pinched the ball, and then you had the goal that was disallowed, I mean, blistering pace. He, he tried to play it down, didn't he, Guardiola? Well, no, maybe once or twice, he said. But every time they got it, they looked a threat. With yeah, they looked like they were going to score. Yeah, Ziyech and, uh, and Werner. Uh, and they had the one that was disallowed, the one that they scored. And then there was uh, two or three other occasions when they looked like they could have got in behind. So it's uh, it's a catch-22 for, for Moyes. 
Um, I just think like they're probably on if they anything if they nick at anything even a point it'd be an unbelievable result. But I just yeah. think Chelsea left too much in the locker. I think it's just it might be shit attitude, but like we said yesterday, Sam, I'd rather lose that game to Newcastle than lose it to Chelsea, who've got to nick points that are around us. Yeah, I think it's just as important us winning is them not winning. So I'd, I'd fucking take a draw all day. All day yeah, John, what do you what do you think about West Ham? And do you actually do you actually think we could get in the top four? Do you think it's a, a little bit too far? No, it's it's, it's a bridge too far. It's a bridge yeah. so far. And, and I've got sympathy uh, for a number of reasons. I, I just think there hasn't been enough... Right, no, by the way. <laughs> no, no, just... No, it's just... I, I just think, like, the, uh, the, the the lack of strength in depth is going to is gonna take its toll. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's been proven where he, he's basically... Um, he's trying to draw blood out of a stone. You know what I mean? So you could, you're missing players, key players in vital areas, so namely, uh, like, Declan Rice and... and uh, if you... You're coaching him or trying to influence him to um, break forward more, look forward more, drive with the ball more, contribute more goals. Uh, but he's laid up at the moment. And obviously, Antonio up front. And I, I just think it's highlighted the, uh, the the lack of strength in depth, as, as I say. And I think possibly there's a good shout for a Europa League place. But I think top, top, top four is a bridge too far. So yeah. how, how, these last six games you've got in the position we're in, how do you approach them if you're a manager? Do you go hammer and tong at it or do you, do you still play the waiting game and take it easy with the injuries or do you just go for it now? I, I, don't, I don't think he doesn't strike me. Me personally, I would go for it. Mo, yeah. Mo, Moyes doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Pragmatic. Yeah, yeah he, 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 which is probably, probably why... You know, he's he's lasted a lot longer in the game than I did, and uh, <laughs> nice level. But no, I, I, me, me, for me, the gloves would be off. I'd go fuck it. We're gonna have, we're gonna go for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I'm the same as well. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like us, uh, I'd like us to be going for every game now. We we, we shouldn't even be in this position. He's, so there's absolutely nothing to lose. I'll tell you one of the keys next week with Chelsea, um, because a lot, so I'm still not nowhere near happy with them at the back. The clean, the clean sheets. Um, have been as a consequence of like him going with a lot more experience uh, initially, and also the fact that um, I think he plays the game further up the field than Frank did. Uh, yeah. too short. West Ham's shout um, could even come down to playing right, and this this is like double basic crazy gang shit, right? Which is playing for set pieces. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we're I, so I, dangerous set pieces. Yeah, yeah, West Ham are very dangerous from set pieces. So it, it, it could it, it could be a case of, of getting up the field and playing for those sort of things. Yeah, I think I, I, I'd probably go along the same lines. With that. I think Moyes, we've seen it before against the top six. A, a lot of debate on that. He's very pragmatic. I can't see it. I think we'll be setting up to counter. It'll be similar to yesterday in terms of formation. I think the big problem yesterday was. Newcastle sat back, so we can't break them down. What gives me a little bit of hope is that Chelsea will be probably on the front foot. So I, I think we'll be able to play our counter-attacking game. Um, and obviously Lingard's been just unreal. Yeah, uh, he's been in that sense. Phenomenal but signing. I, Phenomenal signing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I, I look at him, Moyes. I don't know Moyes, but what I, what I see is his body language. And I think... That uh, looking at what he's done with Dawson yesterday aside, right? 
uh, I'd have been the type of player that he'd have appreciated in terms of the way I trained, the way I, I applied myself, and the way I pl uh, the way I played in in matches. And you could see that the body language he shows towards the players, he's he, uh, players who are honest with him. I think he reciprocates and he's honest with them, right? And and uh, I, I just think like the club, like for what it's worth, I, I just think like the the club is 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 in good hands. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what all, like all the fans just want as well, don't they? They just want they they, they want honesty throughout throughout the squad. And I think if we get that. Um, certainly me anyway, as long as our, our team goes out there every game and gives 100%, that's, that's all we can ever ask for when when we're getting the results and that like we are this season. It's just a real shame that we're actually not there. But yeah, as, as long as they're, they're honest to themselves. And as well as disappointing with the first half yesterday because um, they just didn't turn up. But in the second half, I didn't think you could fall. I think next week, Moy should, he should just let the handbrake off a little bit and, and really try and go for it, really. Um but I'll, I'll, we'll get some predictions in on next week. So, Bird, what, what do you think the score will be? <sighs> Both teams are going to score. It's going to be a score draw. I'll say 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I think I'm going to go... I'm hoping for a 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I'm not going to back against West Ham, so I'll go something similar with 1-1. One, one. Uh, but, John, what, what do you reckon will happen next week? Do you reckon we'll get a win? I think it'll be... Um... I'm looking at I'm looking at both sides. I'm looking at what he's got to do. I think is he's got to believe it or not. It's it's my favourite defensive strategy. I think he's got to try and encourage the ball inside, and he's got to shut the lines off. But if he don't, if if Chelsea play at their full potential, fancy two three nil, I can't see West Ham scoring uh, from anything other than a set piece. So if yeah, Chelsea, oh. if Chelsea played a game high up the field, that would nullify that threat. Yeah. I, I, I think they'll have too much in their locker from going forward. What's that, Bird? Thiago, he'll be suspended, won't he? Is he still out as well? Plus, he's done well, his back and he's done his union yesterday. He's yeah. done his union yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it might be a chink of daylight because he, he, even though he's 36, he's made a big difference. The way yeah. he's, he, he's bossed people and pulled them around. Which is we do turn up for these big games, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I say. You can never discount them. No, and I, I think just think I think they're in a safe pair of got a safe pair of hands. He's got to be left to get on with it for a while now. Yeah, especially a London derby. I think form goes out the window. Yeah, yeah, it does go out the window. But then you've got to have a stewards. I've always said it about West Ham. I've said it about loads of teams. Yeah, to me, to me, um, I think I think it's wrong and it's unprofessional and it's a form of cheating. Dare I say it, it's a form of cheating? Where where where, yeah. where, where did? If if you turn like you turn up, you get a result like against Chelsea. You get a result against Arsenal. You get a result against Spurs. You say, well, where did you pull this extra ten percent from? Where did you pull this extra fifty percent yeah. from? That's how it should be every game. Well, John, do you, think the fans, do you think the fans? The how much of a difference is it making the fans not being there? I mean, like you've played in front of crowds, like large crowds, and that. Yeah. Again, we've debated this massively on on the show. Yeah. Is, 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 would that be a big difference for the players, or do you think they'll be used to it now? Um, listen, I'm going to be candid because I, I can only talk on. I can only be honest. I can only talk straight. It's all I've ever known. So, yeah. um, and and unfortunately, there's been times when I haven't had a filter. It's just coming straight from head to mouth. What I've said in in previous podcasts, I thought it's done West Ham the world of good, not having a crowd there. 
I think like they've had a, they've had half a result because of the um, the toxicity in, 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 with regards to the, the stadium and and the ownership. Um, you know, and what, I've 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 probably been one of the only well, me and Lils is on the pod as well. To an extent, I've agreed with it because you see, yesterday we've got some of the best fans, but we've got some of the fucking worst fans. Yesterday at half time, scrolling through Twitter, I had to turn it off. I had to just put my phone away because some of the shit I was seeing. It was just fucking, well, it was diabolical, the stuff I was seeing on the timeline yesterday. And I think through the start of the season, after January, there would have been so many fucking toxic fans when yeah. we sold Haller and when we sold Dean Garner. And I know yeah. what you're saying, Sam. You're saying when we go West Ham, we forget about the board and we want what's best for the team straight away and we're behind the boys. But there's people that ain't fucking like that. Look at Burnley a couple of seasons ago, that fucking ball cunt running on the pitch with a corner flag and stick it in the semicircle with his top off. We've got... See, something like that, John, something like that, would would you as a player, would, would that would that distract, would that take your mind off the game? No. Yeah, what we are. No, so no. I've told, I've told you exactly what I said. Like, as a no. professional footballer, that don't matter. That's what led to the thing yesterday. The, 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 uh, you've got to be switched on. You've got to be switched on from the warm-up and, sw- yeah. and, and switched on until you're going down the tunnel. Like, and even more switched on in cases like it's, it's in case a teammate need years ago he might have needed your help, you know what I mean? Someone might, might have needed a slap. Um, so yeah. you've, got to be, you've got to be switched on until, until you, from the warm up until you get in the dressing room at the end of the final whistle when you're banging your boots out, you're taking your boots off. I'll see what I see yesterday. I'll see uh, West Ham off to a slow start. The first pass goes astray. That leads to Dawson getting the first booking. Then uh, they're still not switched on, which and uh, his first touch that, that led to the sending off. You understand what I mean? So yeah. like, to put the point being, it's like young players used to ask about concentration. I used to do drills with them, and then the other advice I used to give them it sounds complete bollocks. What I'm going to tell you, right? But I used to I, I used to I taught them, and then I told them to take up uh, have a, uh, every now and again a game of chess. You understand? Literally a game of chess. So that you're like literally focused. You're literally focused on the board and you're focused on the game yeah. that you're playing in front of you. And I said, that's no different from football, right? So you, you make a mistake, you get punished. You lose, you lose a piece. You understand? So it's exactly the same with football. Me yeah. personally, it's, it, it was lower down, right? But I will say this, right? Uh, I played in front of 40-odd thousand at Stamford Bridge against Liverpool. I played in front of 40-odd thousand Geordies up at Newcastle. Right, fucking lunatics. Well, the same as West Ham and the same as Millwall because I played in front, Sheffield United come down and there was the biggest row you've ever seen in your life. The game's going on. I'm trying to mark from a corner and it's spilling onto the pitch because they try to take the Alderton Road end. Right, yeah. so what, what I will say is 10,000 Millwall fans might, can make as much noise as 40,000 Geordies, right? All it ever did to me was make me want to do more. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't see the negative aspect of it. It made yeah. me, and it makes your body do things that you possibly under normal circumstances it wouldn't do. You know, with regards to going up for an header and going through someone in a tackle. That mm. attitude ain't around no more though, because, and I, you might pick me up on it, but I think Noble is the sort of last of that era, because yesterday we're two 0 down, and. You've got Yarmolenko, Lanzini, Ben Rama. They're all warming up half-time. Sky Sports have got the cameras on them. They're all fucking pissing about, laughing and joking. Then they're walking past Andy Carroll. I get they might be his mates. They're all shaking hands, laughing and joking with him, cuddling each other. And it wouldn't have happened back in your day. We're fucking 2-0 down. 
Yeah. They're probably getting a bright bit of stick from boys in the changing room. What I'm trying to say is these players, they don't always give a shit about West Ham. They're there. They pick up their wage. They ain't got West Ham's best interest at heart, I don't think, some of these players that come over. Right, which goes back to what I said about 35 minutes ago. And for me, it's the same with any club. And it's it's um, it's not as prevalent now because I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we'd, I'd have to talk to you about off camera and I'd have to talk to you about um, over, over a coffee or, or a beer in a private room. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, right? But I'm adamant that you've got to have a core element in your side that are homegrown and that have yeah, got that, yeah. f- that feeling for the, for the club and for the supporters and for their environment. And what's happened now, you've got too many, like, I think it started um, ages ago, might have even been before Pellegrini, where you've got these, in inverted commas, like fucking Hollywood signings. And um, it's, no, it's no good. It's no good to the supporters. It's no good to the, to the short, medium or long-term future of the club because after a couple of games... Um, they go on the missing list, and if, if if you've got to roll your sleeves up, they go on the missing list. They're just looking for Anderson, Philippe Anderson, Sebastian Allaire. And this, this is this is another reason why we need to fucking look after Rice now and sort him out with a contract because I think if he does stay and have a good career in Captain West Ham, yeah, he could be one of them because he he's going to be the one that when Noble goes, yeah, he's the one that fucking cares. Do you know well, what I mean? That's right because like you've got a situation now, and and a lot of clubs are going to have a lot of the same problems, right? Listen to this, I, my my oldest girl, my oldest child, I've got two daughters and a son, right? So the 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 guy she she was caught in and then got engaged to, got married to. Uh, their their family, uh, so all the all the family do's and all the family gatherings. They're very very friendly with uh, Harry Kane's parents. And uh, I said um, when I first met the mum and dad, um, I said to the father, it must have been f- what, five maybe six years ago. We were talking about Harry's career, so he's like. It might have been slightly less than that. So he might have been around about 24 because he was telling me about another club that made a big offer for him and he wouldn't go there because it was another Premier League club, right? So I won't go into specifics, but suffice to say, he said he could have left Spurs a couple of years ago and gone to so-and-so and put in an unbelievable offer both to the Tottenham and to, and to him personally, right? Well, they, they, they've got the same problem there now. So uh, the point being, maybe I'm not as stupid as I look or uh, as stupid as I've sounded in the past. Because I said to him, trust me what I'm going to tell you. If certain things are not addressed at Spurs, it will implode. Pochettino will end up leaving and they won't win nothing. They, yeah. won't, they won't win nothing. And that's exactly what, what happened. Uh, I know they had, they had a chance with the Champions League of the thing, but that was over after 30 seconds because of the Mickey Mouse penalty. You understand, and you knew yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. You, uh, sorry, you knew Spurs never had any, enough in their locker to get back in the game. Plus, Harry had come back after a long layoff, and he, he took a gamble and playing him from the start, right? Yeah. Um, so it's the same. It's the same thing uh, with any with any football club. Certain things need to be addressed, and they need to be addressed like I always try to do: short term, immediately, medium term, and long term, right? And and everything I predicted going on at Spurs, um, it transpired. It came to fruition. It imploded. Pochettino ended up leaving, and now you, you've got another situation where they, if they don't win a league cup next week, and he can't brag about winning a bit of silverware, um, well, I think the last one was fucking Ramos, and then before that it was a, an ex-Arsenal manager. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're they're in the same sort of boat. So what you're saying about Declan is quite right because he's the nucleus, he's the fulcrum of that side. 
Yeah. If they don't, if they don't iron things out, pardon the pun, right? If they don't iron things out and get it sorted out and start building a team around him, why you'll take another decade to recover from it. He's on about, I mean, I know it's a lot of money to us, but he's on about 40 grand a week when you had players coming in like Anderson. I mean, Chicharito, when he come in, all right, he, he was a player, but they gave him 130k a week straight away. And I, I know people are saying the position Rice plays in as a CDM, they don't earn these big bucks. But when he's so fucking integral to West Ham, he's, he's 22 now. He needs a big contract because City will come in and pay it. Man United will come in and pay it. Any team would. Much yeah, lower down, things. but like Birdie, much lower down. I've got to tell you this: I experienced the same thing. You get what you have. The club ends up taking you for granted. The manager ends up taking you for granted. I've had correspondence with an ex-manager of mine, and he said he apologised. He said he should have said oh, I should have helped you with your career more. And I'll be honest, he said I, t- I took you too much for granted. I was on the same yeah. fucking money for eight years. At Gillingham yeah. and Leighton Orient, I was on the same money for eight years. And it was a mega, yeah. mega, mega piss take. But at the end of the day, in the end, is I mean, what I should have done is grown a pair and walked away from it and and made like a lot of money, like my brother did out of construction. You understand what I mean? But I loved, I loved the uh, first of all football and being a footballer and a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's different. It's different now. People can always, if you if you playing and training consistently well, which I suspect is a good pro, uh, Declan Rice. Um, and he's got a great attitude, then it's got to be rewarded. I'm, I'm a great believer in um, not not just giving the appropriate uh, recompense to uh, Hollywood signings, but also rewarding loyalty and rewarding good performance. You understand? Because too many... Yeah. Uh, I was a victim of it, like I say, and I think too many managers take too many people for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and, and I, I would go out of my way to make sure that he, he was well rewarded. I mean, you've got, you probably got fucking Muppets in the Premier League. I mean, I'll be all the way down. Listen, what I'm going to say to you, this is a gospel truth, my true feelings on it. I'm watching uh, champion, uh, uh, in, in EFL on Quest, English Football League on Quest. Unbelievable athletes, phenomenal athletes. Football IQ? Nah. Football intelligence? Nah. Right? Streetwise? Nah. And, and, you, and you have to have a stewards, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm talking from the top all the way down to the bottom. You've got Muppets on 80 grand a week, all the way down to Muppets on 80 grand a year in the lower divisions. Who wouldn't have got in my fucking Sunday side? Yeah. I promise you. I yeah. promise you. All right. Well, lads, listen, I'm going to wrap this up now because I think uh, we, we, could, we could end up going on all day if we were to carry on talking. So, John, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on today. Um, and giving us an insight in in into your career and that, and and, and being able to give us uh, my pleasure, mate. My pleasure. My pleasure. A view from the inside on, on Moyes and, and everything West Ham. I really enjoyed it. Fulham are doing Arsenal, yeah. Fulham are beating Arsenal. Yeah, yeah one nil. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, John, we could get you on again uh, one day if you don't mind. Yeah, no, by all means, of course. Yeah, be a, be, right. be a pleasure. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, I, I, I was thinking. Um, I was like a bag of licorice all sorts. The club, I could have gone to, like, I had about 10 clubs after me as a kid. Uh, I still maintain to this day one of my biggest regrets. Although it, although it led to 18 of the happiest months of my life, one of my biggest regrets was not leaving Chelsea to go on loan to West Ham under John Lyle. I mean, may, yeah. maybe he thought Alvin needed a kick up the arse. I don't know. <laughs> we never know at the time. You know what I mean? What, what the motives were. Um, I was playing out of my skin at the time and um, doing really well. So I ended up breaking into Chelsea's first team and um, won a quite a few that I played in. 
um, there was no goals in the side. So it brought it brought pressure to bear. But then that leaves me going to uh, one of your one of your sworn enemies. Um, I mean, if I'd have been about back in the day, I'd have fucking banged their heads together and said, "We've got to come together, not 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 split apart." If you, if if you like the, the historical facts and the stories that filter down what caused the thing, the rivalry. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I know I know, like I say, ex Chelsea and Millwall, but always keep an eye on on the uh, West Ham situation. Listen, yeah, one fuck one fuck. quick question. Yes, mate. If you was a West Ham, I know you follow West Ham. Would you yeah. be GSB in or GSB out? Oh, fuck me. All I'd say to that is, right, You, if, if you're patient, it'll happen. Yeah. I'll just think, see what it is, what you've got to understand is this, right? You've got like, I had him in the back of the, in, in the back of my cab, Steve Gibson, right? And I had a good chance. Yeah, the Middlesbrough chairman, right? Now, so like, he's like, back in the day, I think not not so much now because the, uh, the Fred's run out. Right back in the day, he backed managers phenomenally, right? Very quickly to, to like, like significant amounts of money and like fully supportive. But he's what you call like, uh, I would say, a, like a low, low profile owner. He doesn't want, he's not interested really in the, oh, right, when it was going and they got to a couple of finals and whatever, when Brian Robson was there and they've nicked a couple of promotions and then they've had the opposite, like, so he's seen both sides of it. He doesn't, he doesn't need the, the kudos and he doesn't need the status and he doesn't need the, the, the like, the showbiz aspects and, the, and, and the, all the, uh, uh, the accolades of being an owner, right? And dare I say, I think on the other side, what, if I was advising them, I'd, I'd advise them on a couple of things, right? One is, um, as far as the owners are concerned, um, say less and do more, right? Yes. So, the, the only, and this is me just be, being candid and talking as a football supporter, not less necessarily a West Ham supporter. I'm talking as a football supporter, right? But if I was their advisor, I'd just say keep a low, lower profile, so say less and do more, right? And then, um, whoever, whatever agents they've been dealing with over the years, um. Obviously, I want a slice of the pie. I want a salary, right? Um, for for advising them on a long term basis as director of football or technical director. But I would say never do business with them again, because I've been. I think West Ham have been sold so many pups. It's fucking embarrassing, right? And the third thing is, I would say, uh, if you define the West Ham way, one of the things that that clearly defined West Ham years ago is, like I said, getting back to homegrown produce homegrown players who and and but then I'm, I'm a great believer in that at any club i just like i said before i think you need a like a core element of players who come through the ranks as long obviously as long as they're good enough right but listen west ham are a london club so immediate attraction tradition another attraction track record another attraction and if you've got to go back to days of your under certain people that i know about ex-West Ham manager and ex-West Ham youth development, you've got to, you've got to give a, a lot I wanted at Leighton Orient that like I sent to Barry Earn, I want a slush fund. So that's, and then word soon gets round that you're the best academy in London. Listen, people, people uh, look at a lot of the negative side, but what I'm going to say as a little G, right, for myself is, along with Arsenal and Norwich in the South East, right, so we beat West Ham and we beat fucking Chelsea and we beat Charlton and we beat Millwall. We had... An A1 calibre rating by the FA for our uh, centre of excellence because I've totally tipped the gaff upside down and changed everything. And I've got rid of all the 
bless them, all the Sunday morning managers, and I got in all fully qualified coaches with a sense of humour. You understand? They were different class to watch, different class uh, uh, seeing them work. And, and that would be the advice I'll be giving to West Ham. So uh, going back to the thing I said to her, and I want a slush fund so that we can start getting older, decent kids because it's all about having a conveyor belt of players coming through to the first team. And then if you need uh, to sell one to underpin a few losses, it's no real loss. It's a financial game because I know I've got someone yeah. waiting in the queue behind them ready to come through again. That's, that's what I'd be advising uh, the GSB uh, with regards to in or out, whatever, you know what I mean? But you, you've got to bear in mind the business people. And I just think there's probably um, there's probably a covenant on, on when they can sell the club. And I think if, yeah. you're, I think if you're patient, eventually, um, you know, I mean, the likes of the people I was dealing with, they think they're going to live to be 150. Yeah. Right? So, uh, you know, there, there will come a time when they say, you know what, it's probably, it's probably time to sell and, and sit back and relax. Yeah, well, on that note, hopefully, Gold, Sullivan and Brady are listening. And uh, <laughs> one, day, one day we'll get our wish and they'll actually set up. So, yeah. John, I just want to say again, thanks again for coming on. It's been a really good show. Yeah. I've loved it. Uh, yeah. Bird, Pleasure meeting you, job. mate. Thanks good for show, coming guys. on. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll speak again soon. Can I just say one last thing to you? Go yeah. on. Be careful what you wish for. Ready to go. Right, hello and welcome back to the Bowling Boys podcast. I'm your host, Sam Nicola. Today I'm joined by Matthew Mason. He's a Chelsea fan. He's an absolute wanker. But this is his combined 11. Matt, what's your combined 11, mate? Well, I'm going for Mendy and goal. Right, okay, that's fine. We've got to have Mendy and goal purely based on current form. Right, yeah. I'm going for a 3 4 3 formation. Right, yeah, that's fine. Okay, I like that. I'm really good that My is. two wing backs. Oh, I can't make these. I've got to go. I've got to go for. I've, I've got to go for Reese James. All right, fine. He's currently fighting yeah, for I'll his take that. I'm, I'm going for Reese James. Yeah, He's fighting that. between Trent Alexander Arnold for his England space, but I'm going. Yeah. I'm going for Reese James. All right, fine. I'm having Chile the other side. Yeah. My centre halves. As Filiqueta. Right. Okay. Rudiger. Yeah. Ogbonna. Okay, fine. Rudiger and Zuma have been switching places for me, but I think Rudiger, experience-wise, is going in as a centre-half. Right, I'll take that. My midfield. Interesting. My midfield. I'm having Kovacic. Yeah, fine. Purely based on the fact how good he is as a centre How good he is at clearing up from the back and bringing the ball forward. All right. What he offers. The only thing he doesn't offer is goals. Right, okay. And I'm telling you now, yeah. if he had goals in him... Yeah. He's a 200 million Fucking hell. Are you sure? 200 million pad. He is. So, Matteo Kovacic, if he had goals, he's as good as Neymar. Oh. It's <laughs> different players. Right, you heard, you heard it here first. Matt Mason's combined 11. Matteo Kovacic is worth 200 million if he was to add goals in it. He would, he would be. Well, okay. And who's partnering Matteo Kovacic in the centre of midfield? I'm taking Deckers. I'm taking Declan Rice. I'm taking Declan Rice because I'm, ta- I'm taking Declan Rice. Okay. Got, you've got you've got to take Declan Rice. What so? Because of what he what he does uh, for West Ham. How much is Declan Rice worth? Uh, how much is Declan Rice worth? I think that's score goals, is he? <laughs> but if he did score goals, <laughs> if he scored goals, two hundred million. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, got him. Yeah. 
Current foam. Yeah. Oh, this is hard. This is this is hard. This is combined eleven. Matt Mason's combined Chelsea eleven. This is hard because I don't think any live at the Archer. By the way, I don't. I don't think. Oh, this is a difficult one for me. Current form, Lingard's got to be in there. Mason Mount, Mason Mount, Mason Mount. I can't. I can't stray away from Mason Mount. Okay, that's fine. But surely you could put both of them in. I can't. Fucking hell, Matt Mason, live at the Archer, is refusing. To put in Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard is the most goal involvements since January. And yet, Matt Mason can't find a space for him. Well, okay, go on, Matt, tell us. Jesse Lingard has got the biggest ego in football. Fuck it, now I've heard it all. Now I've heard it all. I've got John sitting on the show today, and yet Matt Mason's taken over. My good God. Go on, tell us. Jesse Lingard has got the biggest ego in football. He's why? Been, why? Tell, tell me why. He's drawing all his confidence from the fact that he knows he's a best. Well, because he's got a couple of likes on Instagram, is what you're saying. He know. He knows. Bar Declan Rice, the best attacking player in that side is, yeah. is Jesse Lingard. Is that not a good he's thing? Drawing confidence from that, but he ain't getting in that Chelsea side for me. He's not. What on the form? He's not on current form. He's, he's not getting in that Chelsea side. At, in my in my formation, you can't have. Don't give me no 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 no. Don't give me your formation. I want. Where you put where you put Jesse Lingard in my formation? Fucking on the left, on the right, all up front. Couldn't give a shit. He's had most goal involvement since January out of anyone in the Premier League, and you're telling me he doesn't get into your team. Do you want this conversation to go any further? Well, I, I, do you know what? He's been great for you. Great. He's been fucking unbelievable. He's not getting in my side. That's fucking. I don't. I don't know if I want to read the rest. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm looking around me, everyone's enjoying the sun, everyone's having a beer, I'm in the Archer Pub Garden and I've got Matt Mason telling me, he's playing anywhere anywhere he wants, yeah well, left, he's playing everywhere for us, he's playing through the middle for you, put him on the fucking left then mate, I don't give a shit, to not put him in your team, no, don't give me shit, right, who you got in your team then? I'm having Mason Man up there, okay, yeah it's fine. As the middle guy. Yeah, okay. He pulls strings. You know how fucking what, good so he is. So, 3 4 3, what? So, he's the false nine? Yes. Well, all right. That's Stumble Joe, didn't it? That's Stumble Joe. You thought you had a striker to play with. I'd like, oh, come I, on in. No, because I don't. Jesse Lingard. No, Mason Man. All right, Mason Man. False nine. Lingard's not a winger. Mason Man. False nine. If oh, yeah. Jesse Lingard was a winger, <laughs> I'm put. Uh, if he was a winger, current form, yes. I'll put him out now. Is Jesse Lingard in your combined 11 or not? The geezer in the Premier League on current form with the most goal involvements, goals and assists. Yes. Since... Yes. So he is now? He is. Oh. But not in his not in his starting position. We don't give a shit. It's a combined if 11. I, if, I, if, I, if, if it's a combined 11, Mount through the middle, Ling, Lingard on the right or the left. Whichever one he prefers. And then I'm playing Pulisic and all. Right, so now run me through the whole team. Okay, so I'm starting with Mendy. Yeah. My middle three. Yeah. I'm having Rudiger for experience over Zuma. That is purely the reason why. Because I think they both are good, but I think Rudiger, experience-wise, is in my, oh, my centre-back yeah, three. Fine, Rudiger. I'm having an Aspilicueta. Yeah, fine. And I'm having a Bonner. All right, all right. My wing-backs. Yeah. Chile and Reese jones yeah, okay. Midfield. For me, they're both England starters. For fuck's sake. As, as, as I say, currently live in the arch, I have had a few beers, but fucking hell, is this geezer taking the piss out of me or what? I don't know, so we'll go back to him now. Right, tell me your midfield. Tell me your midfield. I'm having Declan Rice. Yeah. 
And I'm having Kovacic. <laughs> 200 million pounds worth <laughs> of Matteo Kovacic. Right, okay, that's fine. And then moving on to the front three. In front of them, I'm having Mason Mann. Yep. To the right side, I'm probably having Lingard. Okay. Left side, Pulisic. That right, so we're, we're, West Ham are having which could possibly be their greatest ever season. Chelsea are having not one of their finest, and yet Matt Mason can only find room for free, for free Chelsea, uh, for free West Ham players. And not only that, I've had to basically talk him into a Bonner, Declan Rice, and Jesse Lingard. So in fact, if I had not spoke to Matt Mason about this combined eleven, it probably would have been Chelsea FC. <laughs> And uh, Matt Mason, thanks for your little cameo no worries. on today's uh, podcast. Seven minutes of you. <laughs> I don't know what other way to put it in. Absolutely chatting shit. <laughs> it's um, been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs>